seated for a few minutes as we uh, get ready uh, to start service here. We just want to welcome all CFC family. Oh, there's Darren back, baby. Darren's we got some back. feedback. <laughs> Glad to have Darren here today. Amen. Uh, just want to remember uh, all the uh, families and things that were in the way of the storm uh, that hit Thursday. Was it Thursday? Around that time. Uh, Texas, really, Louisiana coast, uh, really devastated. You know, I thank God that we were spared, and you know, God is good, but this was my thought. You know, a lot of people say, God spared us, God is good, but what if the storm would have hit here? Would you still be saying God is good? See, that's the difference. you, You can't say God is good just because he done a good thing for you. God is good for who he is. Well, no matter what I'm going through, you know. So hopefully we'd still have the same message that if it hit here, we'd still say God is still good, you know, things like that. So, but we do want to pray for the, those uh, all affected that many of them lost their homes and things. Thank God the loss of life wasn't nearly what it could have been that people listened to the evacuation things um, in that. So again, keep them in your prayers. Uh, Again, the long rebuilding process, uh, they're going to be without electricity for long periods of time, and they just need uh, uh, us to lift them up in prayer. Just a couple of other notes. Uh, the governor announced that we'll be in phase two of reopening until at least uh, the 11th of September. So uh, the 11th of September is when they'll announce if uh, we're moving out of phase two to phase three. Now, phase three is not a complete everything back to normal also, okay? That's not till phase four, but... As long as we're in phase two, we're going to ask you to continue uh, social distancing, trying not to uh, get too close. Uh, Family members, you're you're welcome to sit close together, things like that. But we want to try to stay six feet apart from each other, uh, using hand sanitizer and things like that. Also, uh, during phase two, uh, there will be no nursery uh, in the back. The, The nursery is open as a cry room that if you have a baby, you could go back there with your child. But... We just don't feel it's ready for one person to be back there with a bunch of little children, uh, things like that. Um, so, uh, again, we, we're not sure when we're going to open that up. And, again, uh, we're not going to be running the van on Sunday mornings uh, because of that also. Again, if you are going to shake, uh, don't, we ask that you don't shake hands. You, the closed fist, the chicken wing, the funky chicken, you get them in the elbow like that, things like that. Try not to hug. Uh, again, uh, uh, all, all for precautions. Again, the, you, you never know. It may save someone's life. Amen. All right. So also, uh, when we dismiss, those side doors will be open that you can leave that way so everyone don't have to try and go out the, the one door there. But to come in the church, as long as we're in phase two, you need to come in through this side uh, where you could use hand sanitizer and those things. So next thing I just want to mention is we, uh, you can follow us along on Facebook uh, right now. Um, uh, and watch live streaming services. Uh, we also have a CFC app that you could download to your phone to watch services 
uh, later this afternoon. It won't. Only place you can watch right now live is Facebook. But the the video will be up on the CFC app. Uh, you can also give uh, donations on that app. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, uh, welcome to CF. No, what is it? Uh, <laughs> Christian Fellowship Church. Pastor Scott Jeremy. <laughs> Somebody get me another cup of coffee. I guess the two I had wasn't strong enough. But Christian Fellowship Church, uh, Pastor Scott Jeremy, type all that in, and it'll pull our, our site right up. If you just go Christian Fellowship Church, you have to scroll through a whole bunch of them to get there. So that's why it's named that. And also, our church website, which is welcometocfc.com. Uh, you could give on there, and there's also ser- sermons uh, there. So n- next thing I want to mention is New Generations Children's Church. Uh, ages 6 through 11, they're having uh, their class right now in the back, and they're filming it, and it will premiere tonight uh, at 7 o'clock. Uh, this, their theme this month is indescribable at 7 o'clock tonight on their uh, Facebook page. No live tonight? Everything I just said for with new generations, cancel that. We're going to backtrack. Okay. Hey. Strike two, <laughs> strike two. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, strike three, and I'm out of here. So, uh, so, but tonight there will be my sister's heart's women's ministry will be live streaming on the church's Facebook page. Uh, there, so they usually stream them on Friday night since the uh, shutdown. Tonight's message is by Krista Latham, uh, entitled "When Something End." <laughs> Right three, I'm out. We go see y'all later. <laughs> Amen. And so, just I want to remind all ladies: uh, tune in seven o'clock tonight on the church Facebook page. They'll be streaming that. Just want to wish everyone having a birthday, a uh, happy birthday. Uh, if you're having a birthday between now and next week, and you're watching online, uh, just put down that you're having your birthday. We want to tell you happy birthday. Anyone in here having a birthday between now and next Sunday? Nope. What about oh, Linda Gill? That's it. Erica, she's back there. Oh, okay. Well, tell her, tell her happy birthday. Amen. Scott, tell her to watch this video at, at minute 5:52, and I've said happy birthday. So, okay. Uh, what about anniversaries? Anyone having an anniversary? Wait, right here. Oh, happy birthday. I, I'm not gonna ask how old you. You finally made 21, right? That's what we say. God, <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. Let's give him a hand clap. Amen. What about anniversaries? Anyone have an anniversary today? Between now and next Sunday, should I say? That's strike four. Now listen, let me tell you something. If you're going to be sitting here counting every misspoke today, that you, <laughs> you're going to run out of ink. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Amen. Just want to wish you happy anniversary. Again, online, just write down uh, that you're having an anniversary so we could tell you happy anniversary, those watching, uh, following along there. All right, so if we're going to go ahead and pick up our tithes and offering this morning. Again, if you're watching online, we ask that you help uh, support this channel, help it keep going. Uh, uh, again, uh, there's uh, been storms. Uh, I do want to remind you, keep your eye on the tropics. There's two more disturbances going on. <laughs> going on there but it doesn't they're not favorable to develop but they are there so uh just keep your eye on that uh but uh we're having another rainy sunday but guess what god is good amen god is good all the time amen 
So as we get ready to pick up our tithes and offerings, we just want to let you know how you could give if you're not here today to help support this ministry. You could uh, go, go to the next slide there, Matthew. There you go. You could go to uh, our website, welcometocfc.com, and it'll uh, have a place you could give securely online there. You can mail it through the post office to post office box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. Or you could drop it off as in phase two. The uh, office is open Monday from 9 to 2. Uh, you could drop it off anytime there. You'll see our vehicles here go uh, throughout the week. Uh, financial secretary is just here on, on that day. And you could drop it off if you see me or Pastor Josh's vehicle there. Um, so... All right, so what we're going to do is, uh, in here, if you have your offering, we're going to start on this side first. And what you do is you come up the side aisle, place the offering in the basket, then go down the middle aisle, back to your seats. And again, just make a circle like that, then we'll go to this side, up the side aisle, down the middle aisle. All right, so what we're going to do is just, uh, let's just stand to our feet as we, uh, as we read our scriptures today. Amen. Psalms. 89 verse 5 says this, The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. And Lamentations 22 through 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Take your offering, hold it in your right hand, and repeat after me. Say, As I give in today's offering, I rejoice. And the faithfulness of God in and around my life. You have always watched over me, protected me, guided me, and provided for me. You are faithful, and I am grateful. I bring my tithes and offerings with faith in your faithfulness to use it mightily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do is this half the church come up the side aisle here, place your offering in the basket, and uh, then we'll, we'll get this done. as we have a call to worship. You know, it was 
so cute. Mason's going to have such a giving spirit. I've seen him come up twice with two different people and put in, in the offering. Amen. I love that little boy. He's so cute. Amen. Let's just uh, have our call to worship. For August 2020, we're reading from uh, Psalms 84, verses uh, 10 through 12, where it says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand as elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. The Lord Almighty, blessed is the one whose trust is in you. Father, we just come to you today. I thank you for each and every person that's here today, each and every person watching online. Father, I just pray that your spirit would move here today in this place, Father God. Touch hearts, change lives today, Father God. Have your way in this place, in Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everyone shouts, Amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning.
Father, let your spirit fall in this place this morning. Father, we need your touch. Father, we come to you in unity this morning, Lord. We lift up our praises to you, Lord. Lord Jesus, hear our praises this morning. Lord, let your spirit fall in this place this morning. Father, we can do nothing without you, Lord. Father, you are our healing, Lord. You are our strength, O oh Lord. Father, you are our source of hope, Lord. Father, as we reach out to you this morning, Lord, just let your spirit begin to touch, heal, deliver. We praise you for it, Jesus. Father, we praise you for it this morning. Just begin to praise him. Just begin to praise him this morning. Raise your hands to him. Release to him. Release it to him. If you're feeling anxiety, release it to him this morning. If you're feeling fear, begin to release it to him this morning. For he has come to set you free. But we have to step out in faith and just believe his word. The enemy will show you everything that's wrong in this world, but God will make it right. Just begin to plug into the Spirit of God this morning as we worship. Because as His people begin to praise, walls begin to fall. As we begin to praise Him, those who are sick are healed in the name of Jesus. If we would have faith as a mustard seed, the smallest seed, that's all it takes. We have to step out in faith this morning. Give God the praise he deserves. Turn our eyes to the Lord and not to the world. We worship you, Lord. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him.
knowing the battles won for you have never failed me yet. your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your
Thank you, Lord. I believe God's getting ready to do something in this nation. I believe the tides are beginning to change, and God's going to, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. Amen. And God's, uh, the word she just spoke from the Lord is the church to be the heartbeat again. I believe that's what God's calling us to do. You know, in this song, that line that said, we thought these walls would have fallen by now. Right? How, how many of you have gone through something in life right now? You said, whoa, I didn't think it was going to be this long. I, these walls are getting ready to fall. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. God bless you. We, you can be seated as we dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, to their classes. And Amen. If you'd get your notes out and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, I don't know if this will surprise you, but I added a scripture that wasn't in your notes yesterday. <laughs> I do that all the time. Amen. But I, I think it, the scripture I'm adding this morning really goes along with what was just prophesied by Sister Melissa. So let's just begin in prayer as we get started this morning. Father, I just come to you today. Father, as we get ready to open your word and study your word, Father God, 
I just pray that you unveil our eyes, that we could see the spiritual truths of your word, Father God, that we could see and know you better. Father, I pray that you would unveil our hearts, Father God, that we may know you better and that your word could take root in our hearts this morning, Father. Father, open our ears that we're able to hear the truths of the Spirit this morning. And Father, touch our minds that we could comprehend your word this morning. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everyone says, Amen. My message this morning is entitled, The Greatest Love Story. And under the title, they have the box, The Story Of, and it has a blank. And what I want you to do is write your name in that blank. Because I want to share with you the greatest love story there is, is God's love for you. And this is going to, I want it to be personal to you so that you understand these things. And, you know, you, you think about different, uh, I've, I've never been a book reader or anything like that and watch romantic uh, love story movies and things like that. And uh, I, I was thinking, you know, uh, the last probably love story could have kind of been Titanic I watched, but then I started thinking about, well, you know, Titanic was more of a lust story and a horror film, right? It wasn't she engaged to the other guy and she, her lust chased that. And then I was thinking, and then all the men died. <laughs> it, it was a horror flick for, you know, uh, things like that. But I, I've never been one to watch movies like that and things. And you, you may have... Uh, you know, a lot of people read novels and love stories and all these things. But the greatest love story ever written, and at, which is a true story, is God's love for you. And you could put your name in that because that's what we're talking about here today. And what I want to start with is uh, in Hebrews chapter 10. And I, I want to just read this. It says, and let us consider. Now think about that, those first words there. Let us consider. Let us think. In other words, you're saying there's some things we need to think about. So wake up your brain, tell it to start thinking. We'll give a minute for all the squeaking to uh, stop. Because when those gears start turning, right? Uh, as those things. But let us think about things. And I'm going to tie this in with our message today and, and the things. But I want you to think back right now. And it's, it's probably going to be a lot easier. The older you are, the prob pro it's probably a lot easier for you to see what I'm going to say here. I want you to think back on culture, on the moral standings in the United States when you were born versus where it's at now. Think about that. The, the moral temperature of this country when you were born versus where it's at today. Now, and so this is the question, and, and that's why I'm saying it's a lot easier if you're older. It's a lot easier to see where the country was and where it is today than if you're uh, 15 years old, you know, those things. So if you would say this country is going downhill instead of uphill, raise your hand, in moral character and beliefs, most people would say that. And, and you're right. And I, I, I started thinking about that when thinking about this scripture this morning as it came in, that we need to think about why that has happened. How many of you know that there has been a mass exodus from the churches, people attending churches as years go on? 
I read an article this week that at the current rate it's going right now, one in five churches in the United States is going to close by the end of the year. Attendance at churches, and I know we are the church, but I need you to put these two things together. We have seen moral decline in this country and exodus from the church. Now let's look at this scripture. It says, let us think about these things, how we may spur or encourage one another toward love and good deeds. Not, he says, verse 25 says, not giving up meeting together. Now I want you to look around this room. Look, look at everyone that's here. How many of you would say probably for the biggest part of the people here, the last time you've seen them was here? I know we see some people out of church. But for the biggest percentage of the people you see here, it's you see them on Sunday mornings because we all got our own lives, you know, some from Golden Meadow to Lockport to home where people live, and we don't run into each other. So I know we are the church as bodies, but he's saying don't give up gathering together so that you can encourage that but you, you can encourage each other to, to in love and all these things and encourage each other. So guess where we have to still come together to get that encouragement? Right? Because we just admitted we don't see half of you unless we're here. So consider how can we do it? Meaning we need to keep coming together. And this is what I, again what I want to share. Notice how people have been declining leaving the church, but also morality in the country has been going down. As people exit the church, the nation's morality goes down. You think that's just coincidence? I don't. I think it's because people, I know they say that old saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Reality is absence makes the heart grow fonder for a little while. Then after a long time, it begins to make us forget. I remember being in the military and going through boot camp with some guys, made some great friends and uh, schools and this and that, and thought you had a friendship for life, which it's not that we're not friends anymore, but we all took each other's addresses, and it's like, man, we're going to stay in touch. In our whole life, we're going to be communicating with each other, and we've got friendships for life. And as each year goes by, it's less and less. Why? Because absence ends up breaking the relationship, right? If you, if you never got to see your spouse. Or let's put it this way. If you have a spouse and that spouse is never there, they're across the country working, working in other places. What ends up happening a lot of times? different things allowing the world to sink in so absence from a thing doesn't make you grow closer to it necessarily absence and, and that's what I believe as people have left the church and went to be quote the church outside the church they've been affected instead of being coming together on Sunday morning and being encouraged and built up they leave the church and slowly they, they morph into the world that they're, they live in let me ask you this if everyone in here knows someone who used to be faithful in church, went to church their whole life, 
And everyone in here knows someone who has left the church and basically doesn't go to church anymore. I'm not going to say everyone, but I'll say probably nine out of ten of them are nowhere near in their relationship with the Lord of where they were. Most people who slow, you could see it evolving in their life. They slowly start missing church. They slowly, and, and again, we are the church. I know that. But the Bible, God's Word, tells us we need to come together with all the other believers where we can encourage and, and, and strengthen each other. And what happens is they'll slowly stop coming. Then they don't go anymore. Then you finally see them a year down the, the road and they're basically don't, don't have a relationship with God. They, they're no more different than the world and they're caught back in the world. So this is where the scripture says that we need to encourage each other. And that's what I want to do today is encourage you. And so I'm glad you're here because today I, I think as we, we're in this chaotic situation in this world that we're living in, 2020, that's all I need to say. In 2020, I think sometimes we need a little bit encouragement and things that God's not through yet. God has not been defeated. The victory isn't the enemies. God is always faithful, and God will always come through in God's time in our lives. Amen? So this is what I want to talk about today is the, is the, uh, the greatest love story, the story of you. And I want you to look at Lamentations. This is going to be on your papers now. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 23. And again, I say this all the time, but you need to understand that God's word is timeless principles throughout time that never change. It is timeless truth, timeless principles. Although the situations change in life, the, the culture changes in life, the truth of the Word of God is still that was true back then is still true today. God's Word never changes. And so let, let's look at this. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. And, and again, making this personal. Look at that first word. What does that say? Because. And I want you just to stop for a second and think about because means the reason why. The reason why, because of the Lord's, what kind of love? Great love. We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Next verse says, they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness to us. Because of his great love to you. Now, y'all all know to you. That's my cousin from the plant. To you. Now, you see, those watching online will have no idea what I'm talking about there. To you. That sounds like an like old Cajun, Mr. To you. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. Now, look at John, 1 John 3, 1. It says, see, another key word. See, I'm, you need to see it because this world sometimes gets us our eyes off of Christ. That's why the Bible tells us, put your eyes back on him. 
And I need to begin to see and remember and think about how faithful and good God God has been in my life because it's his great love for me. It's not that I earn his love. It's not that I can do anything to impress him, right? It's because of his great love for us. He says, uh, see what great love the Father has, and I love this word, lavish on us. It's not just enough to get by. It's not just, oh, I guess so. You know, it's like, oh, I guess you could, I guess you could come into my family. Uh, but I really don't want, but I let everybody else, so I'm going to let you. No, lavish his love. Lavish is like an abundance of it. It's, it's overflowing. And this is what I want you to understand. His abundance love is that he gave his son. That's how much he loves you, that he gave his own son's life for you. He has lavished on us. <clears throat> and notice what it says, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That he chose to adopt us into his family. Now, you know, there's, there's always that saying that when, when a parent has a, a child biologically, you know, they, they naturally love that, should naturally love that child unless their morals are real down the tube, and we know there, that is that sometimes today. But, we, but when a person chooses to adopt another one, they chose you. They picked you. Yeah, I, I love that because when, 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 it, when someone has a child naturally, you don't decide what sex it is. You don't decide what it looks like, how it comes out. But as an adopted child, do you, do you realize that babies are more likely to get adopted than older children? You know, it's a shame that, you know, but because the older children sometimes cause more issues and different things. And how many of you know that when you got saved, think about yourself when you got saved. Now, it's all our different stories. But if, if, if I was God looking at me, <laughs> I don't know. You, you got some issues, uh, right? How many of you had some issues, right? But God still said, you know what? He didn't say, no, 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 I think I'm going to look for someone better. God says, I'll take you just like you are. I'll take you just like you are, but here's the key. But I love you too much to leave you the way you are. And then he begins working on us. Amen. <clears throat> the Father has lavished on us that we may be called children of God. And that is what we are. What a love story. You know, and you, and you, you may be saying, well, I, it's, that was for everybody. And, and I want to uh, say, you know, sometimes you can feel lonely and left in a crowd. And it's just like he's a corporate God and all this. But it's, it's very personal. And I Googled, so it's got to be true. Um, <laughs> I was wondering what, what the population is. You know, and so I looked up uh, U.S. population, and this was as August of 2020, was the United, just in the United States, there's approximately 331 million people. 331 million people. In the world, there is, as of August, 7.8 billion And the reason I, I, I thought about that was is sometimes we may think that we're just a number. 
See, being in the military, if, if you haven't been, you realize you're just a number. Right? It's this whole thing, and you're just a social security number, and when you go, you get shot, they put another social security number in your place, and it just keeps working, and it just keeps going. But with God, you matter. You're not just another person. God, with, with God, it is very personal, and he watches. We can't fathom how you keep eye over 331 million people in the United States, how you keep an eye over 7.8 billion or whatever number I said. Was it 7.8? Yeah, 7.8 billion people in the world. And you could focus on every little detail of my life, but he can. And he does. Even from before you were born. The greatest love story is the love story of God and you. God and me. Now, let's look here quickly. Jeremiah 1, 5. I want you to understand the timeless principle of this statement. Okay? This is a statement to Jeremiah, who God ends up at the last part of it, says, I appointed you to be a prophet. So this word's not telling me that he's appointed me to be, or you to be a prophet of Israel. But the first part, the timeless principle that God has a, a purpose and a plan for each and every one's life. Notice this, it says, before. What is before? It's not after the fact. Now, he's saying before. And can you say those next two words? I, oh, that's three words. I'm, that's how many strikes that is there? Before I formed you. Think about that. Before I formed you, I knew you. Now, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus has come that we may have life and life to the full. So one of the enemy's job is to destroy the child before it is born. Because, it, you see, every child born has potential to fulfill the purpose that God created it for. Do you know, uh, you know, and I'm talking about abortion, okay? We may go to Facebook jail. They didn't put us there last week, but we made it. But James Robinson was born, his mother was raped and became pregnant. What if his mother would have said, oh, I need to destroy. I didn't want to be pregnant. I was raped. Think of the ministry and how many lives James Robinson's ministry has touched. That it wouldn't have happened if that mother would have chose to abort him. And you know, they're saying, oh, my body, my choice. Yeah, it's your body, but it's not what's created in there. You're not creating as far as, as far as Scripture says, before who formed you? It doesn't say before your mom formed you. It doesn't say before your daddy formed you. It says before God formed you. And you see, ladies, girls, whoever, you cannot take credit for what is forming in your body. You know what they call that? You got a bun in the oven. Uh, God would say you can't even make a good meatloaf. You think you're making a, a human being?
right? right? When, when someone's pregnant, you don't decide what sex is going to be. You don't decide how it's going to look, how tall it is, how short it is, if it's going to come out like a little plump butterball or come out like a little skinny, skinny thing. You have no control. Why? Because it's God that is forming. So if you decide to destroy that baby inside of you, you're destroying what God is forming. He says, before I formed you, now this is personal to you. Okay, let's not get caught up on this other part. But before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you and had a plan for your life. It says this, before you were born, he says, I set you apart. Now, for Jeremiah, he set him apart to appoint him as a prophet to the nations, but God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you, and he knew why he wanted you here on earth, and he has a plan for you. <coughs> Again, the timeless principle of this. God, God set you apart to be the child of whatever your parents are, to be the parent of whatever children you have, to be the grandparent of whatever grandkids you have. He set you apart to be a light in their world. He created you for that. So let, let's go to Jeremiah 29, 11. Again, the timeless principle. The timeless principle is that he knew us before we were formed, and he got a purpose for our life. Uh, everybody's purpose there is not the same in, in life, but Jeremiah 29, 11 is for I know the plans I have for you. Now he's speaking to the nation of Israel. And, I really don't have time to go back into this much, but last week I had talked about this, for I know the plans I have for you. And, you know, sometimes people just want to focus on the rest of this scripture and you forget what was before. Okay, before this, it, was, it says for 70 more years you're going to be in captivity. Let's see if I can preach last week's message in two seconds. You see, the nation of Israel came into the promised land. God led them into the promised land. And instead of being a light in that land and changing things, those people began to influence God's people and they began not serving God like they were supposed to. Right? So God sent prophets and warned them, saying, hey, 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 let's tighten it up here. But they never listened. So it says that God allowed the Babylonians to go into Jerusalem capture them, take them back to Babylonia, and then while they're there, they brought their false apostles to say what they want, their itchy ears wanted to hear, and this false apostle comes up and says, oh, oh after two years, God's going to break the yoke of the king of Babylon over us. And, and actually, if you read it, it says that, that that apostle actually took a wooden yoke and broke it, and God got angry and says, he has broken a wooden yoke, but now I'm going to place an arm yoke on you. See, they were there for 70 years. And here's that saying again. You cannot believe your way out of what you are behaving yourself into. Your character is what matters. God's more concerned about your character than your comfort. And they were not following his ways. And he says, well, for 70 years, you know, too many people say they, they mess up and then they're sorry for getting caught. It's funny how many people that are sentenced to jail all of a sudden find Jesus. Now, listen, I believe that when you repent, if you truly repent, God forgives you that moment. But guess what? It doesn't mean that you're not going to follow the consequences here on earth. 
You know, and a lot of times got people just, oh, Jesus, keep me from having to suffer what my behavior has been leading me to. You reap what you sow. So if your behavior is this way, you'll sow and reap from what you're li- the way you're living. And so, again, the, it, the, right before this scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, God tells them, make, make homes, have children, do all these things, because you're going to be stuck here a while. But he says, but I do have a plan for you. He says, my plan was never for you to go through what you're going through. And God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. Our problem is we end up writing other chapters that God never intended for our life. See, God never, when God brought them to the promised land, he never wanted them to be captured, but their behavior brought them back that way. We have to be careful that we don't add chapters to the book of our life that God wants for us. Because he says, I know the plans he wants. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God wants for you. We have a choice in if we fulfill that. We have a choice as if we walk in that. As long as we, we, we serve him and follow him. <coughs> Again, Ephesians 2.10. We're going to bring in some New Testament things here. Timeless principles. Look how much this mirrors Jeremiah 1.5. For we are God's handiwork. Look in your notes, it says, before I formed you. God's handiwork, he say, in other words, he's saying, that I made you. The timeless principle. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us to do in advance. And he's telling Jeremiah, for I I formed you, I knew you, I set you apart. In other words, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. In other words, God has a plan for your life. He has appointed you to do good works that God has prepared for you to do in advance. Not just good works, but the plan that God has for your life. You see, I could do good works and still be out of the will of God for my life. So here's a common thread through all this for all of us. Is Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Jesus says, you are the light. If you're a a born-again believer, you are the light. The light of the uh, light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do uh, people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, which gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, you are placed here to be a light in this world. You see, a lot of people say, well, what's my purpose? Well, well I don't care if, you, if, if you're turning wrenches or emptying garbage or being a brain surgeon or a dentist or whatever it is. That's not the most important part. Don't get stuck on that part. The part you should be focused on is, well, when I'm turning a wrench, am I being a light to everyone around me? When I'm emptying the garbage, am I being a light to everyone around me? You see, that's your purpose. Turning the wrench is his job. Your purpose is to be the light that brings people to Christ, not pulls them away. God's relationship to us is personal. 
And this is what I'm, I'm trying to bring to us here again. Proverbs 15:13. The eyes of the Lord are what? Everywhere. Circle that word everywhere. You see, you're in that everywhere. You're in that everywhere. Sometimes, God, you forgot me. No, his eyes are on me. I'm in that everywhere. It's beyond what we could comprehend that God could focus on 7.8 billion people's lives just like they're the only one there. But he can, and he does. We're not able to do it. You know, when we go into a grocery store with four kids, right, where they go? All four different directions, and you it's chaos. <laughs> you know, what's going on? But God can keep his eye on everyone. He says, for the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. And I love how it says, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. On everyone. But I also want you to understand, I like looking at the scriptures, realizing that God knows what's going on in my life. The good, the bad, the ugly. He knows it all. His eyes are always there. He knows what people are doing to us. He knows what people are trying to help us. He knows if people are trying to hurt you. He knows whatever's going on, God knows and cares about your life like it was the only one there. He knows whatever you're going through. If, if I could bring a mic to each and every person here today, and you, everybody in here could give a personal story of what they're going through, and most of it's going to be different than the other person's. we all going through different things in life. But God says... I know it. I know what you're going through. What you're going through, and that's what I've tried to bring to you. Don't think that God has forgotten about you. God never forgets about you. Keep your attention on him. Notice what Jesus says as he's sending out his 12 disciples. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves he's letting them know this world ain't gonna be biscuits and gravy all the time this world isn't gonna accept everything you say this world ain't gonna love you like, like because you serve god it's not like they're gonna oh oh we love you everything you do he says no i'm sending you out a sheep among wolves jesus also said in another place don't uh uh, in this world, you will have trouble. So don't think that what you're going through, because Jesus went through it himself. And as he's sending out his disciples, but I love how he says this. And, and this is to make it personal what he tells you. He says this in uh, uh, verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Now, now notice what he's beginning with. He say, he's beginning with two little pop jocks, two sparrows. He said they're, only, they're worth a penny, a half a cent each. And he says, watch how much my father cares about these two chicken wings here. You know, you, 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 these two little sparrows that are only worth a half a cent each. He says, but yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. That even though 
they are his creation and they're worth way less than you. They're worth a half a cent. Can I tell you you're worth God's son? That's how much God values you. So if he says that I'll take two spirals, that two sparrows worth half a cent each, can nothing can happen to them without God knowing what's going on, that God caring about the sparrow's life, how much more will my father who gave his son's life to you care about you and worried about you? Verse 30 says, And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, you know that old joke, it's easier for him to keep count of some of us than others. <laughs> but reality, do you know your hair is constantly falling out and coming back? It's constant, it's never the same. What you woke up today is not what you're going to wake up with tomorrow. You may have more, you may have less. But God, why would he even care? Think about that. You want to know how much God cares about you? He cares about and knows everything about your life that if a hair falls out of, out of your head, He knows. Yet there are 7.8 billion people. And He knows every time a hair falls out somebody's head. See, it's beyond what we could comprehend and imagine. You know, we, we have a hard time just sitting at the front door right there counting people coming in did we get it right but yet there's 7.8 billion people in the world that God keeps watch over <clears throat> Romans 8 28 and we know now this is my question to you do you know see because the enemy comes to kill steal and destroy and sometimes we forget see we know, do we know that in all things, good, bad, and ugly, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, and your purpose is to be a light into this world. That God didn't say all you're going to have is good situations. He just says, whatever happens in your life, I'll, try, I'll use it for the good. If you allow me to work in your life, I'll, use it. I'll turn tragedy into triumph. If you have your paper, I want you to write a couple of these scriptures. I'm going to give you a, a, a homework assignment this week. I want you to read these things, especially if you're going through something and you're feeling... Separate out. I want you to think about that God does not change. You hear me? God does not change. He has always been faithful, and he always will be faithful. If he's done it in the past, he'll do it again. Right? Isn't that what we were just worshiping with? He'll do it again. Right? But there's sometimes there's storms that we go through, trials that we go through. And this is what I want you to write. Exodus chapter 14. And remember when God parted the Red Sea for the Egyptians. Think about it. They, were, they came, their backs were not against the wall, their backs were against the sea. They had no way to go. Their enemy was coming and they sure knew we were going to die for sure. But God made a way. He caused the winds to blow and opened up a sea. 
where the Israelites were able to walk across on dry land. Then he closed it on their pursuers, on their enemies. You see, there was no way in their sight, but God can make a way where there seems to be no way. That's what I want you to understand. You may not, you sitting here right now and saying, oh, that sounds good, but I don't see no way. Thank God we serve a God that doesn't need a way. He makes the way. Then I want you to read Exodus chapter 16 and 17. When as being disobedient to God, the Israelites wander around for 40 years, but God provides them with food, water, and clothing. Even in their disobedience, because God wanted them in the promised land. should have took a couple of weeks to get to the promised land. But their lack of faith, but God will provide. For 40 years, it doesn't mean that it, it was excess. It didn't mean that they had the king buffet right there in front of them. But it was enough to make it through. God provides. Then I want you to read Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrew boys that said, you know, they weren't going to bow down and worship any other thing. And the king says, all right, take this furnace, heat it up seven times hotter than it was, and throw them in. And as you're reading, you're going to notice that the, the guards that were going to throw them in were like popcorn. Pop, pop. They, they burned to death as they were throwing the three Hebrew boys in. The three Hebrew boys fall in the fire. Now listen to you. See, they got a great testimony, but they were in the fire. See, a lot of us want a testimony, but we don't like being in the fire. The fire. The far. I don't know where I'm living from that far. The far. But I love what it says that when they were in the fire, the king says, Holy, didn't we throw three boys in there? He says, But I see four. And one of them appears to be like the Son of God. Can I tell you? When you're in the fire, God is right there with you. Jesus is right there with you, going through it, protecting you. And it says they came out the fire and they didn't even, sm didn't even have the, the smell of smoke on them. God will make a way, He'll provide for you, and He will protect you. Another thing, just in Daniel chapter 6. <coughs> Daniel in the lines then. He's thrown in the lines then in a bunch of hungry lines, and it says that God sent angels to close the mouths of the lions, that they didn't eat them. God's there. Whatever you're going through, you may have to go in the den, you may have to go in the fiery furnace, which is very scary and uncomfortable, but God is with you. God is faithful. Lastly, John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, I kind of added this, and I don't have time to really get into it, but that he fed all 5,000. Not one went without. See, because he cares about each and every one. God has not forgot about you. You are the other half of his greatest love story. Between him and you. So Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 8 verses 23 through 26. 
I want you to understand, and I posted this on Facebook earlier this week, whatever storm you may be going through in your life right now, it may be different than everybody else's. The key is to stay focused on Jesus and not the storm. When I focus on the storm, when I focus on the crisis, it brings fear and panic in my life. But when I focus on him and trust in him, in the middle of the storm, I can have peace. Now notice what it says here. Then he got into the boat. Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, the year 2020 came up in their life. This is personal. A storm came out of nowhere. I always say, you know, when I plan out my year and different things in my calendar, I got it in December, I have my calendar filled for the next year, what I'm planning on going on. But when you go back and look for the things that you did not plan for, the storms that come in life, good, bad, and ugly, how much different life is. Did anybody in December ever even comprehend or dream that it would be like this this year? No. It came all of a sudden. We had no idea, but so, so it says, suddenly a furious storm came on the lake that the waves swept over the boat. It means overwhelming. Sometimes, sometimes these things could be overwhelming to you. But look at Jesus. It says, but Jesus was sleeping. Do you think Jesus didn't care that he was sleeping? No, I think he really cared. But it also shows that he had the, because of his relationship with the Father, he could have peace in the middle of the storm. And he was waiting to teach them, you need to take your eyes off the storm and place it on me. He says Jesus was sleeping. He was in perfect peace. You know, the boat's rocking back and forth, and oh, this feels good. It's like a rocking chair when you're a baby. Oh, this is nice. But everybody else around him's ah, freaking out. Why? Because Jesus' heart was on his father. The disciples' eyes were on the storm. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going down. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He got up, rebuked the winds and, and the waves, and it was completely calm. In other words, you of little faith. He's telling them, why are you focused on what you see and not on me? Him. Let's move quickly. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 4. I want you to think about what he's, David said, timeless principles. God knows you. This is what it's about. He says, you have searched me. God searches us. He knows us. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know, listen to this. We, we talked about the hairs on the head. He says, you know when I sit. You know when I rise. For 7.8 billion people in the world, he knows when you sit, he knows when you rise. He knows when a hair falls off your head, he knows when another one grows out. He says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Now, it says you, you perceive, 
you discern my going in and out right here. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. What he's telling you there is that he actually knows what you're thinking before you think it. Now, I know in Mississippi, a far is what you make in the backyard and you roast weenies with. That's a far. We got a far in the backyard. <laughs> Hey, boy, that's to, to you went to a far the other day. So um, he says, you discern my going out and my, li- and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Now, let's bring it back to uh, verse 14. Go jump down to verse 14. And I want to talk how this ties back again that he knew you before you were born he says i will praise you because i am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful circle fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful can i tell you something when god created you he did not create junk that's what the scripture is telling us I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God did not make junk. The enemy wants you to think you're junk. The enemy wants you to think you're no good. But God loves you so much. He made you. And this, it says this next. I know that full well. And... and Can I just warn you here where where it says being wonderfully made and works? It's not talking in a prideful, narcissistic way. Apart from him, we are nothing. And to think we are something, then we're we're not. The Bible says don't think more highly of yourself. But what, what he's telling is don't be so down on yourself. God has created you for a relationship. And, and notice this. It says, my frame, circle the word frame. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Think of that word frame. What, what is your frame? Your skeleton. I want you to watch where, where I take you through this scripture, how it's talking about the unborn child and the purpose in their life. He says, my frame. He's talking about when my skeleton was formed. He says, it was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I, now notice the second part, when I was woven together, circle woven together in the depths of the earth. When you think of woven, it's, a, it's like we've sewn through. Think of your arteries and veins. As I'm beginning to come together, I'm woven together where it connects, your veins connect all the different parts, your ligaments and all these things. And then it goes on to say, uh, Your eyes saw my unformed body. Now my wife's going to maybe freak out that I remember this. It says, you've seen my unformed body. I remember when Heather was, uh, my wife was pregnant for Heather. We used to joke and call her a zygote. In the very, which is the very beginning of pregnancy. When the egg is fertilized, it becomes what is called the zygote, not a G-O-A-T, zygote, I think it is. Then that zygote transforms into an embryo. That embryo transforms into a fetus. 
But he's saying, I knew you even before that stage. So it's even before a heartbeat, God calls it life. Even before a heartbeat, God knew you. I said it last week. I'd heard a statement that scientists say claim there is life on Mars because they found bacteria. But the heartbeat in a woman's womb isn't life on earth. What's wrong with that picture? He says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were ordained, were ordained for me, written in a book before they came to be. You see how there's that plan, that timeless, that plan that God has for your life. He says, verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. God has precious thoughts to you and precious plans for your life. How vast is the sum of them? And he says, he says, if I were to think of all the thoughts that you have for me, all, everything, how you focus on me, out of 7.8 billion people, how you focus on me, he says, the thoughts you have for me, he says, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. It says, and when I wake, I am still with you. That, the, that God's thoughts, precious thoughts toward you, his child, his adopted child, uh, would outnumber the grains of sand. And yet he does this for 7.8 billion people. See, God is not a corporate God. He is a personal God. And he knows everything about you. He cares about each and every one of his creations. That none should come to perish, but that all should come to repentance and serve him. Amen. Let's stand as we close in prayer. If you've here today or watching online, if you've never invited Christ to come into your heart, if you never realized how much God truly loves you, that, that he cares so much about two sparrows worth a penny, and yet he gave his son's life for you, how much more valuable and important you are to him. I want you to invite the uh, ask the Lord to come into your heart and be Savior of your life. So just say this simple prayer with me today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I believe that you love me so much that you gave your own Son to die and rise for the forgiveness of my sins. I invite Christ to be Lord of my life, Savior of my soul from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, and let me go out and be a light unto this world. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God bless you. We love you. Stay safe with the weather, and we'll see you next Sunday. Amen.